to the beginning, Max. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movies and Bullshit. Sorry. Keep going. I'm sorry. That was rude. I would never. I'm sorry. You've done 95% of our, probably more, 98% of our Because I pressed the record button. It makes sense. Yeah. For once, I wanted to jump in there with the, hey, everybody, welcome to Movies and Shit. You just had to fucking hijack it. Okay. 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 okay, okay. Bro, I can cut all this out. Don't worry about it. Ready? No, we're keeping it in. I I want this on record. No, no, no. no. Take two. Come on. Humor me. Humor me. Take two. And click. Kind of like when I asked you to humor me. When I said, hey, can I start? Humor me. Take three. Click. Go. Hey. God damn it. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to... Take four. Take four. Take four. It's got to be clean. Take four. Go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movies and Shit. I don't like the energy. I I need some higher energy on that. Take five. Go. We're going to be talking about it. (laughs) Take six. Go ahead. Last one. We're going to be talking about it on Movies and Shit. It rhymes. See, I'm Max. This is Christian. He's being a fucking special person today. Sorry. Um, He's having a banner day. Let's talk about it, Christian. What did you think of it? Uh, (laughs) I don't want to like any of this. All right. First and foremost, I am sorry. I didn't mean to sabotage you. I was trying to turn it into a bit and then you clearly hated me. No, I was, I was rolling with the bit. I was just steering it in a different direction. All right. My bad. All right. So listen, uh, we are talking about it. That's pretty cool. I'm excited. I think we have to do some table setting before we kind of go into the actually, you just asked me straight up. What did I think of it? It's a very complicated question. All right. Mm. It has a very complicated legacy in pop culture, right? Like when we were kids, certainly the first thing we thought of was Tim Curry's scary ass looking out of that fucking sewer. Right. Hiya, Georgie. That. Yeah. Which can we just go back and admit now that that's not very, it's not very good. I don't know why people think it's good. He's good. The, yeah. The miniseries is not good. The thing that people remember being good is Tim Curry because he's, he's fucking like going all in on that performance. He's making the most, he's making a meal, uh, so to speak out of that character. Out of um, an appetizer. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say this and I, I, people have already done the comparison between uh new Pennywise and old Pennywise. And I, I do kind of want to get there uh, yeah. later in the show. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because we already, that was a conversation that I think dominated for part one or uh, chapter one. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's interesting to see a different side of Pennywise in this uh, sequel of sorts. And we talked about this, I think on where's my burrito a while back, like you, like I liked it. I didn't think it was great, but I, I liked it. I, you know, I like Andy Machete. I liked Mama. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm a, I'm a yeah. weirdo. Um, you liked it, but I think it was because the end of the world was happening, right? Isn't that your hurricane story? Yeah, this was. Uh, so the the first time I saw it was, and it still is. I, it might always be the best like theater experience of my life. Um, we had a Category Five hurricane heading right uh, for us. I was living in Tampa at the time. We hadn't evacuated in time because the storm kept shifting course. And by the time we saw it was heading right towards us, it was like too late to fucking leave. Uh, All the highways were like full of cars and everything. So it was pointless. So we were just like, okay, we might die. That's fine. We'll just do what we got to do. Because this was expected to be like devastation surpassing Hurricane Katrina. So anyways, I had like a little goodbye Tampa day. Went to my favorite record shop. Went to my favorite... uh, coffee shop had a bagel had some coffee and then i just wandered into the theater because i was like what else am i going to do i love movies might be the last time i get to see a movie and i was like you know what i'll see it fine fuck it one for it please and the lady was like hey do you want to just like pop into the uh, dolby theater and i was like what do you mean pop into like i paid for just a regular ticket she's like no one is here like literally zero people are here look at the concession stand zero people are here here <laughs> So she like upgraded for free, like my ticket to the Dolby theater. 
Um, and I like sat down in the middle of a completely empty theater, like listening to the wind, just like fucking pummel the side of the theater as a scary clown was eating children and screaming and cackling. It was kind of perfect. I don't want to, I don't want to get too far away from it, but for one second, like have you ever thought about the, the perception of you, the lone person walking up, like one, these poor fucking employees were having to be at the movie theater to begin with. And they feel justified, right? They're like, see, no one was going to fucking be here. I don't know why I'm here. And then just one fucking car pulls up in the parking lot (laughs) and it's you. You're the one movie. Like, what do you think they thought of you in that moment, Max? I don't know. I think they were just, they said, you know, this guy sure cares about film just as much as I do. I'm going to upgrade his ticket. Not since Edison and Lumiere as someone yeah. felt so passionate about the moving picture. I, I gave them a reason to be there because otherwise like their, their being there wasn't justified. You right. know, when I came in, I justified them having to come in on maybe one of their last days on this planet earth. <laughs> so, I mean, long, long-winded, but you enjoyed the film might, might've had to do a lot more with circumstance and, and, you know, right. But, but I, I just really, want to impress upon people like i'm never going to have a better experience than that like just with the the whole existential dread of possibly dying and then watching this silly fun house stupid fucking movie about a clown terrorizing children was the perfect combination um and like it left it made the film leave a better impression uh than it probably would have in any other circumstances because it kind of falls into that trap of having like uh set piece of scares jump scare loud soundtrack and then scene ends um just a lot of jump scares and a lot of like repetition wash rinse repeat right um but it still had that through line the first one of like uh, this is a coming of age story this is you know kids with trauma and shared trauma and how they overcome that trauma at the end um which kind of still makes it work I don't right. know how you feel about it. No, no. And I actually really enjoy the first film when I told you, cause it was weird. I mean, there, there are other examples certainly, but there were a few moments in that, that I was like, yeah, that's what it was like to be a kid. No one seems to know what it was like to be a kid. Every time you see a movie about kids, like, yeah, no, that's not what it, it is. It can be scary being a kid. And it does really like capture that like childhood fear. The, which is weird because like now I'm an adult. I'm just like, I got bills to pay. Like that's what right. keeps me up. Different, <laughs> different fears, which is what I was hoping for in this new one. I was like, Oh, maybe like a giant, like bill will be chasing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like coming out of the darkness. It's just your overdue auto insurance. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. No, I mean, so I was kind of excited about it going in. And again, the, the casting of it, I think was really big, right? Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. She's fucking great. Bill Hader. Like, can I just tell you that? And it's weird side tangent, but I'll go right back on point that uh, the idea of seeing Bill Hader ascend the way he has ascended recently. He's like had a year. I'm just like the dramatic acting, but writing, directing, doing something like it. Like, I don't know, just wonderful, wonderful. So glad to see that guy's career grow because I never knew he had it in him. He was always my favorite part of Stefan. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like never knew... Well, he's the only part of Stefan, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so uh, James McAvoy is really great. Uh, that one dude from The Wire Season 2, whose name I forgot. Ziggy. Sure, Ziggy from Wire Season 2. Uh, what's his face? full name. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, like, so it's got a really good cast. And, you know, Bill Skarsgård's back. He's going to do the Pennywise thing. And mm-hmm. so you're thinking, like, how does, you know, in theory, how is this going to be bad? And number one, I would say that critically, before we go into our personal feelings, the first film had like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, that, that ain't the gospel, but it shows you that like, oh, people seem to really take to that film. This one I think was sitting at like a 68% last time I checked. So like good, but not nearly as much love as the first film. 
we also knew that this was a two hour and 55 minute film because why? Because, you know, I, I could appreciate that, but you know, between the first it and the second one, it's actually, I think like an hour longer than the miniseries was in 1990. Like the one that we grew up watching, which is pretty crazy to think that like, and they still left shit out, man. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of feel like maybe after having, I don't even want to get into my thoughts on this until like I hear your overall thoughts until you set all this up, but I almost feel like they should have gone the miniseries route after having seen this one. Like for like, the entirety like, of it. Cause here's the thing about the it book. I don't know if you've read it or if it's been a while since you've read it's it. Weird. But that, that book is like a fucking mess. <laughs> in kind of all the best ways and some of all the worst, but it's like a Coke-fueled 80s, just phantasmagorical, I'm messing Nailed with that it. word. Nailed no, it. I'm uh, putting co- it in the cornucopia, <laughs> cornucopia of horror. It's just like every fucking coked up uh, random word association thought that Stephen King had at the time, right. he just stuffed it all in that book. And no editor was like, ah, I'm going to cut that out. No, they were like, you're Stephen King, whatever. Yeah, no, um, I've, I've always said that that guy... Um, there was never a dot that he couldn't connect and there was never a typewriter that came with a backspace key. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's kind of him. I would say this. I haven't read that book since I was about 16, 17. What I remember distinctly about the book though, Max was it was a book that like already on paper, the kid stuff was way more interesting than any of the adult stuff. So going into this movie, I was like, ah, oh, shit. Well, that's yeah. not, boding well for the film you know? well the thing about how the book is structured it's intercutting kind of like this is a weird comparison to make but like the girl from it was also in this sharp objects it's like it's intercutting like the childhood trauma with the adult narrative so it's like it'll cut back and forth between the two this one which it tried um, to do this film it didn't do that at all in the first film obviously which was for, weird right right yeah like you they, well, you think they could have just cast it all at the beginning. I guess that's the thing. It's like, look, they didn't know that they were going to get a second movie. They knew after like the tracking started to do really well, so they tacked on that chapter one shit at the end of the first yeah. film. But like you, I think that's clearly what it was. If they wanted to, I heard this rumor that Jessica Chastain like was approached during the filming of the first movie to play older Beverly. They were even mm-hmm. going to shoot a scene that would have shown her as older Beverly in the first film. And I'm thinking like, oh man, that film really could have used that actually as a thematic tissue uh, or like an olive branch between the first and the second film, man. And I think we've been skirting around this for a very long time. So I think we should get into it. I'm sorry for such a long introduction, but I think like it's very important to set it up as best we can. I watched it too yesterday. You saw it yesterday too, I'm guessing. You didn't watch it this morning, right? Yeah, I watched it yesterday. <laughs> Just like seven o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna see this fucking clown, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. so I saw it yesterday, you saw it yesterday. And like, I think I wrote something initially right after I got out being like, did I enjoy myself? Like, maybe, I guess. <laughs> like, like I, I had no point while watching the movie was I just like, all right, this is a complete and utter waste of my time. But mm. the further I get away from the screening, the more upset I am about that film. Uh, and it's weird because like on paper, it's, it's mostly fine. Uh, there are uh, like a couple really great spots in the film. There are a couple genuine scares. People were talking shit about the CGI. Honestly, the CGI was the C- I mean, I don't love the over-reliance on the CGI, but going into that movie, I thought it was going to be like 
like Scorpion King bad. Sorry to throw a fucking masterpiece from 2002 at you, but back holds before up. the... It holds <laughs> up. Actually, not even Scorpion King. It's Mummy Returns, right? Like Mummy Returns, at the end of yeah. Mummy Returns, they have a weird, and I mean fucking weird, like, not, like, like bad for Xbox video game graphics of the day of 2002 uh, of, of, of The Rock as a half man, half Scorpion King, all right? And that's all I kept hearing during the lead up to me watching this movie was people being like, yo, the CGI is real bad. I didn't think it was that distracting. I think the movie just totally had no fucking clue what it wanted to do and way too long, like way too fucking long, Max. That's my initial serve balls in your court. What's, what's your initial thoughts, sir? Um, you could say that I didn't like this film. You could even say that I didn't like it at all. Um, <laughs> I thought it was a waste of my fucking time, honestly, from like the moment I was leading, leaving the theater. And it was for a lot of the reasons that you said, and I'm not super upset about it, but I was sort of when I was watching it, I was sitting there with my arms crossed, just like forgetting Hello. scenes as they happened. Like, that's the thing. It's like two hours and 40 something minutes of actual like footage and I couldn't tell you, like, from recall, even having seen seen it, like, a day later, like, the things that happened in this movie. It's just a series of set pieces that begin and end, like, sort of, like, it almost feels, like, episodic. It's like a Linklater film, but with a scary clown. It's a little spook fest, but there's no narrative through line, really. Like, it sets up this great idea or this great premise of, like, okay, all of these adults have their trauma from when they were children. And it's carried over into adulthood, but they don't remember their their childhood. So it's like this idea of like trauma being imprinted on them uh, right. at an early age that's followed them throughout their lives. And like I thought, okay, the, the film is going to use that adult trauma as like a scarier uh, thing for them to overcome. And like uh, by the end of the film, they're going to use this adventure with this clown to overcome their real adult trauma. But in an explicit way, they don't really. They just do the same thing that they did in the first movie. They realize they have to band together and they have to not be afraid of the clown and then they defeat the clown. And it's like just the same film, but they intercut with the past at the same time. Right. Like that that was the weird thing. Uh, It's like if you're going to have a children's section, like in the first film and then the adult story in the second film, then keep them separate. But the well, first film also narratively, you can't have that. the momentum of your story be predicated on past events. So I felt like every time we cut back to the losers, even if they were trying to do a sharp objects thing, narratively, I didn't give a fuck because one, I know these kids got out of it or whatever. Number one, number two, I felt like, uh, you know, giving them their own little misadventures. And that's what the entire second act is. And it's a long second act, bro. It's like an hour and 20 minutes of a second act. Like, and it's just people essentially having solo trauma missions, right? Like, you're right. This would have worked as a miniseries in as much that like a lot of it's like, all right, this person's by himself. He's dealing with some shit. This person's right. by himself. He's dealing because, with some shit. And not, not to keep cutting back to sharp objects. For some reason, I just kept thinking about it, not just because I think it's Sophia Lillis. Was well, no, because I think as you Amy said, Adams. it's about the, the idea it's, that the haunt, uh, the, the past is, ha- the future is haunting the past. And the past is haunting right. the future. Yeah. And it's like, if you've seen that show and you really should, if you haven't, like I recommend it, even warts and all the ending, like you and I aren't like yeah. super on the same page about, but like for better or for worse, like that's a very haunting uh, fucking series about like how trauma like ekes into like your present and how you like remember things or how you repress things and they resurface. And this movie is dealing with a lot of those things, but not in any serious way or creative way. 
Well, do you, let me cut in for one second because I think that it's what's interesting is that this is the uh, this is an example of something that I think is an interesting attempt, but executed so poorly yeah. that it ends up making you really mad. I think things like in the very beginning, the beginning of this movie freaked me the fuck out because I didn't understand what was going on. Hmm. Uh, I didn't understand the Xavier Dolan thing in the very beginning, like with the really angry, like gay bashing thing. That was weird tonally. I didn't understand it. I yeah. also didn't understand. And this is maybe and what's that more is a scene directly from the book. Like, no, it is. It yeah, is. Like, but I didn't directly. understand it within the hmm. tone of the film, much like I didn't understand the scene where Beverly and I to speak to something you were saying, which is, again, I like that they're attempting it. But then what happened when they actually tried to attempt it? When we first see Beverly and she hears the news, right? That Pennywise is back. I got to go to Derry. And she gets that call, right? And we, we get a glimpse and there's this really understanding, compassionate husband, right? Right. Uh, and then very quickly you realize that that's He's, a farce and it's yeah. very much like her father. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. This trauma that you experienced, right. that you thought you got away from, you've now come back to. Uh, right. And I thought that that's they were going to tackle it. But, but again, the tone of that scene was fucking weird like i cringed it, in my seat dude it was well, very it, strange it like it goes from like okay he's controlling and abusive to he's like the cartoon definition of he's a madman yeah and he like goes like <laughs> yeah he's like a fucking psychopath um like there's no ounce of subtlety in this movie there's like a couple of moments where i was like oh i like where this is going like when they come back to the uh to the pharmacist from the first film and he's like kind of like all wrinkled and gnarled and scarred up now. Like the town itself has like rotted him away to his right. core. And he's just this creep. And he like grabs uh, what what's that character's name again? Ziggy from the wire. He like grabs his face in this really creepy way and invades his face. And I was like, see like subtle shit like that. Like if it had gone in a more subtle horror route where like just the rot is like eating away at this town and the people in it and we get more into that and more like mature horror like if the first film is like the sort of like haunted house horror and this one was dealing with more real ass trauma which again that is like a great uh, co contrast but then what it I just cuts to like oh the lepers in the basement and he throws a black goo and they play uh don't call me angel in the morning for some reason yeah yeah, I mean, I, that was something that, again, tonally, I just didn't understand. I like that, like, oh, they're going to go after this actual adult-oriented issue, the idea that you thought you escaped some kind of trauma only to kind of, like, as an adult, when you have free will, you don't have yeah. the shackles of any of this other bullshit, you decided to do the same thing. Except that you're right, no subtlety. Like, basically, cartoon character, as you said, version of what a jealous, abusive kind of husband is. Mm -hmm. Like, none of that fucking worked for me at all. And then to speak to your point, which the character's name is Eddie. Um, yeah, Eddie, Eddie. Very, very freaked out by that scene in particular, because I liked that. Oh, it's, call me fucking inartistic, but I liked that crossfade where it's like mm -hmm. uh, old Eddie and then young Eddie walks into the actual frame and then it cuts out the crossfade. I'm like, all right, sure, man. Like, and that's the thing. I want to give Andy Machete some credit here. Like... I yeah, do like a, him as a filmmaker. He's a good filmmaker, dude. Sure. Maybe not a great writer is what I'm finding out, but like, it's not his fault. He's working from source material, I guess. Like, no one, to be fair, no one's nailed it. You know, that's what we've had two cracks yeah, at even it. Stephen no King it. hasn't nailed it is kind of the problem. Um, and to try to like structure this into a, you know, into a four hour event or however many hours it is combined um, is, you know, not an easy task to adapt this thing. And right. the route he took with the first movie was smart. Like, I, I think that was smart. It's not a perfect movie. But going into the second one, I, I think that they kind of realized that they didn't have a lot of connective tissue left. Because like you said earlier, like the emotional thrust of the story is those kids. And another big problem with this movie is I did not feel like almost any chemistry between the adult cast. 
which was weird. Like compared to the first one, when you think about like, you believe all those kids are friends, like the way they interact with each other and like right. the shitty, like little like insults and stuff. And they throw it right back at each other, but they're friends. Like you believe that when they like all like cut their hands and like join hands at the end of that first one. Right. And this, I really didn't. I don't know how you felt. No, I, I, I actually totally agree with you. It's not that it was egregious to the point where I was like, oh, this is really taking me out of it. You know what I mean? I, th- I think there's, there's an argument to be made that, that the very nature they don't feel close is because they like, almost forgot each other. They got right. away from this place. So I think the distance there is maybe intentional. Uh, yeah. But even when they're together for a significant amount of time, it doesn't really improve. You know, Hater's cool with everybody. Like, that's what yeah, I found H- out. Hater was maybe the only one that was, like, actually, like, making that work where he was, like, leaning right into that character that Finn Wolfhart uh, built in the first one. Right. Like, like you believe like, that that's that kid when he grew up. I don't yeah. believe any of the other people are who they are when they grow up. <laughs> no, and, like, as excellent as, like, McAvoy is, like, this is one of his, like, I don't, don't want to say worst performances, but it was just not like. Well, I just didn't care most of it. I just didn't care, yeah. uh, and especially like I like I believed him a little bit in the at the end and at the beginning of the films, like when he was in Dairy and he had to do the the the, the fucking st- stutter and stuff like that. Like I was like, oof. And this is a guy who we just saw in Split and Glass. Like for those movies' faults, he was like. Mm-hmm. Yo, McAvoy, yo. Like, yeah, paying for the saving this grace. Guy. Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a, l- a little strange. Uh, and so I, there's a couple that I don't... All right, look. Let's not just completely shit on this film. All right. Uh, I, I, to, I, I th- well, we and we will, trust me, in the course of this review. <laughs> uh, but I, what I think is important is like, all right, let's talk about things that we thought were okay. Uh, I, Pennywise still is pretty okay, man. You know, I, I what I yeah. didn't love a lot, to be honest, was the entire third act because he is a CGI Pennywise. Yeah. Um, um, but no, my favorite scene in the movie is just him under the bleachers with the little kid. Um, right. Easily my favorite scene. And it's pretty much just tying into what made the first movie work. But yeah. It's um, literally the fucking Georgie scene, <laughs> but again, under bleachers. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's great because he's like so underlit and just like. Yeah, yeah, so creepy, so intimidating. Um, it's perfect. He he did a really good job. I want to give him credit. Uh, you know, and again, like Bill Hader did a really good job. I mean, maybe we should maybe we should swerve there for a second, which is mm-hmm. the Richie character, and yeah. now they kind of tackled that because I mean, look, I'm good on them for not straight up being like he gay, like you know what right. I mean, but. Very much, uh, especially because to, to the, have that little turn, like, oh yeah, he's he's gay and he's like kept it a secret all these years and all that, and, like right. Well, and to go back to it, and this is the thing that we've said five times now, but the, the every emotion I felt was tied into those kids, dude. Mm-hmm. And so, like that arcade scene where he's just playing video games with uh, fucker's cousin, you know what I'm saying, like. <laughs> And, and well, it's a big scene because he's like faggot, faggot. And you're like, Oh, what does he care? Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's like, okay. So that really was this poignant moment that there's some guy who's like hiding from himself. Also considering that Pennywise is like a gay icon from the first film. Kind of interesting. I mean, <laughs> naturally the Babadook Pennywise, the two gay icons of our time. Fabulous as fuck, man. But he was one of them self hating cons this time. He was like, I know your secret. Joke. You know what I mean? Like he was being really shitty about it, man. And like, I don't know. Just like, uh, I feel like the only saving grace of this entire film really is, is Bill Hader's character. Like that's the mm-hmm. one character that I'm like, all right, well I get it from there to here to there, you know, yeah, he actually has an arc. Yeah. So I mean, that, I that's something. That. I mean, like, I mean, what, all right, all right, all right, all right. How about this? Mm-hmm. How about this? As we continue to go wildly from point to point, uh, the emotional crux of this film is absolutely those kids. 
Yeah. They had to refilm those kids. And it was the first time where I think digital de-aging has ever been used for kids. <laughs> sort of noticeable, weird. man. Very strange, right? Yeah, especially uh, Finn only- Wolfhard. Finn, um, Finn Wolfhard and, and the, the Ben, the big kid. Mm-hmm. Those two, holy shit, man. For sure. They looked like the best PS4 cutscenes I've ever seen. Like, yeah, they looked all rubbery and shit. Um, and definitely like the the pitch of their voices, you could tell was like noticeably digitally like pitched up. Yeah. So they were like, I don't remember. But you know that they they don't talk like that no more. Well, and then again, it's like I just wonder why you didn't immediately grab those fucking kids, man. Just be like, fuck it. Like, all right. So this is a story about in between uh, Parks and Rec uh, season two and three, right? Uh, Amy Poehler was pregnant, so as Mm -hmm. soon as season two finished production, instead of taking a break and coming back, they're like, fuck it, we're just going to do seven more right now, and that'll get us through the Amy Poehler pregnancy, right? Smart. That's what they should have done for these fucking kids. It's like, look, man, we know they could be little forever. Like, especially because we just (laughs) saw this kid on Stranger Things season three and we're like, oh my God, time is a motherfucker. (laughs) It's ravaged this poor kid. (laughs) Uh, It was, it was certainly just a really weird thing considering they used them as much. I think I was really uh, not concerned, maybe surprised that they were as prominent in the film as they were considering Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's about supposed to be about the adults. And again, just to reiterate my point about the book, it's like, the adult portion of that book was never as exciting or as emotionally driven as the kids part of that book was. Right. So going but it was into it by the, Oh, next chapter, we're going to get a kid's chapter anyways. So that's going to help like to lift this up. Right. Because like, it was like a call and response structure where it was like, this is what's going on in the adult story, but now this is what happened 30 years later or right. earlier or whatever. Um, it's on a structural standpoint. I, I, I guess I can understand that, right? Like, Oh, we got to yeah. figure out what we did that summer. And I'm like, Oh, that's actually interesting. Cause you've added after the fact, you've added some context to the first film. We saw that fallout. We know, but in, in terms of us being the audience, we saw that fallout. And then the next scene was Richie saying, let's kill that fucking clown in the first film. So like, we didn't right. feel like how big or Epic that, fucking first scene was um whereas in this one right. it's like kind of the uh, it's supposed to be the driving force but like i don't i mean i feel like we're going in circles the point is this every single character they would then have them go off solo and then have this moment but it just utterly killed whatever momentum the film had not to say that there weren't shots in those misadventures that i liked not to say that there weren't genuinely scary kind of parts of that the the problem is just that like it felt hollow and it felt empty and it felt so removed from every other part you know what i mean is it that yeah. loud you want to start over <laughs> no no we, we can keep going sorry guys i live in brooklyn there's yeah. sounds um it happens but no uh we we started off this sentence like five minutes ago uh saying like let's not shit all over this movie <laughs> um and then just proceeded to say one nice thing well what is there to say i'll I'll also say this just from a filmmaking standpoint. It, I, um, I was annoyed feels, with it. It feels like a step down, honestly. Yeah. yeah thank you. Okay. Cause yeah. I didn't know if I was going crazy or if like, maybe I was staring at the sun too much or something. Like I know I just felt like everything that was a low light scene was filmed really flat, dude, like really yeah. fucking flat. Um, and I found out that they actually used different cameras and different film stock from the first film. And I'm like, Oh, that's why bro. Like yeah. there was something really, uh, not celluloid, very, very digital. And I guess everything's running on digital cameras now, but like, that's the master. That's the magic of digital cameras. You can make it look like film if you want to. Uh, I just, something was so off about it. And, um, I'm not sure. I mean, everything that was in normal light seemed fine to be honest, but everything yeah. that I was dimly lit, especially it's not good when the last 30 minutes of your film is completely like in the dark with mm-hmm. a CGI Pennywise. 
so that felt a little weird. And, I, and again, like I thought his composition was good. I thought like the performances were mostly good, uh, but something was really off about it from a filmmaking standpoint, Max. Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, <laughs> like, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, there, there were a few shots and a few moments. I mean, even in the compositions, it just felt a little bit flatter. And like, there was a lot of stuff that I feel like was supposed to be scary. That was just funny. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if you felt that way, but like, like the Paul Bunyan thing was just goofy and shitty. It felt um, like, do you know what it felt like? It felt like goosebumps, dude. It felt yeah. like that Goosebumps movie. I'm like, this is cute. Yeah. Is this what Goosebumps is? Like, I'll watch this. Yeah, there were this. parts of this like, movie where I was like, is this supposed to be like Goosebumps? Is Jack Black going to pop up and be like, hey, I'm Arl Stein? Or whatever right. he does. I don't know what voice he uses. Probably his Jack Black voice because he has <laughs> no range. Um, oh, I saw King Kong where he proceeded to do the same voice. <laughs> But with a top hat, the range, <laughs> the range, the audacity. Um, but no, like if if we can, let's steer it back to like their character arcs and help me chart this just a little bit. Sure, let's like, do it. You know, uh, go, go off too much. We talked about Hater, so let's talk about Jessica Chastain. Uh, where does her character go? Like the crux of her decision in this film is to like so she leaves her abusive husband to go to Derry in the middle of the night. Um, and then what happens? She has to decide between James McAvoy or uh, Ben, who got less. Well, look, the, the 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 real problem with it is that it's a, she her decision point in this movie is a decision she made in the last movie. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with the fact that she's going to pick this guy or that guy. It's about choosing functional love, like choosing healthy love, which. She made in the first film, but then in the first scene of this film, we realized, well, that didn't stick because she's back right. in this fucking relationship. Uh, and there was some little like, oh, maybe she cheated. Maybe she did that. I don't, it doesn't matter, by the way. Can I just, can we make a uh, movies and shit public service announcement? Uh, even if your wife cheats on you, not okay to beat your wife. I just want to throw that out there. I think that's a really important uh, mm -hmm. tenant that should be out there. But that's kind of my issue with it, which is just like, oh, well, we already fucking saw this decision, man. Well, like, right. we're doing this again? I don't know. Just I think all me. these people just need fucking therapy. She doesn't need a new relationship. She needs to fucking like go to a <laughs> goddamn psychiatrist and like... Right, like help. have you ever been alone? Jesus Christ, right. Beth. She's like, literally jumping from like a, you know, placeholder for her sexually abusive dad to like, <laughs> oh, the fat kid that she knew like 30 years ago. Right. Like with no, like two days of time between those two relationships, by the way. Yeah. And she's already like moved in with him by the end of this movie. I want a yacht. I mean, as much as you can move in on a yacht. Which I love how they're all also improbably rich and successful. Like every single one of them. Uh, well, I mean, don't they, I don't know how rich, uh, uh Richie was in that movie. I mean, the one line I, I did really like on that, I he mean, was like, I got dates at Reno, man. I'm like, well, yeah, he's a successful stand-up comic. You Reno. Know. You were the one telling me about Reno the other day where you're like, literally it's three blocks, man. And then, yeah. Wolves. Those three blocks though. <laughs> Coyotes are fucking currency at Reno, man. No, I mean, he's, he's still, he's selling out like pretty big theaters. Audience turns on him very quickly though. <laughs> as deserved i think based on yeah. the material i heard but you know whatever <laughs> you're nor there um yeah i mean so richie's the one that we could we could kind of trace it bill bill really seems like all right look bill still obviously feels something about his 
the death of his brother, but they don't even really explore that in the third act at all. Even though spending an inordinate amount of time where like Bill, like is yelling at a kid, physically accosting a child, be like, don't do it. Like, what, how is this kid going to be in charge? If you hear any sounds coming from that sewer, don't go near it. I hear sounds coming out of my like sinking faucet. Sometimes it's like, what sounds? You know, it's a weird fucking act, dude. And it doesn't really go anywhere. Cause it's not like, yeah, it's not like in the third. I mean, well, I guess they do have that scene at the very end where they try to like really ham fistedly uh, make him kill himself as appeasement for not, not kill himself, but kill his younger self as appeasement for the, the idea of he didn't want to play on that rainy day. Therefore he is responsible for Georgie's death. Right. They kind of try to do it, but in a way that's like a two minute detour doesn't make sense. And then gets him back into that weird spider fucking Pennywise. I don't know, dude. The, the, the thing is this, the movie as a script, like this is a perfect example. Of, like, you know me, I'm a structure guy, right? Like mm. I am very beholden to structure, but I think the other thing that we have to understand about structure is the structure is coming from the wrong perspective. It's easy to look at star Wars. It's easy to look at Homer. It's easy to look at Dante Alighieri and then put them into a box, right? Deconstructing something that's already built is uh, easy. <laughs> it's a lot harder to build something uh, using structure. If you do that, yeah. you'll have a structurally sound script, but you may not yeah. have a structurally sound like character script, you know what I mean? Like, and what yeah. their emotions are. And so that's like coming from it. I was like, Oh, this is an example of someone who was like, we got to give him a moment here, him a moment here, her a moment yeah. here, and there. And they hit all the beats, but it didn't amount to anything, man. Right. Well, cause I, I, I don't think that anything was really rooted in any real horror in this one. Um, cause like at least in the first one, a lot of that is like tied to their childhood fears I don't know. And this yeah, one, like, Eddie, like, Eddie is a hypochondriac. So a fucking leper is yeah. scary as shit. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But now it's like the same shit happening. Like, whereas like something like Playtest from Black Mirror, like it, it, the setup for that is basically this guy like tries out a new VR experience that basically taps into his innermost fears and makes them happen. Um, right. And it's like it ends with him, like his mind completely like blasted out because he's afraid of like alzheimer's and like losing his sense of self and everything and like that's like existentially terrifying to an adult like that's an adult fear yeah um and like to have that kind of trauma in a film would be great like to deal with like more adult fears but it never really goes there it doesn't really like go hard on anything like and they had opportunities and granted granted, this is from source material but just like what we know from those people like like if eddie's mom ended up with like diabetes or some shit because she was an unhealthy person who clearly wasn't taking <laughs> care of herself. Like, right. Oh shit. It's in the family. That's a hereditary thing, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like there, there, there are ways to tackle those kinds of stories that are still inherent to who those characters were as children, but who they are now as adults. The problem right. is they never did that with any of the kids with Mike again, which by the way is the old spice guy. It took me about an hour and a half to get it. But like, that's that oh. old spice motherfucker, that man. The old spice yeah. guy. Isaiah yeah, um, yep. they, they gave Mike nothing to do as a character in the first one other than look at a door with some smoke coming out of it. And in this one, they somehow him, less like he, yeah. he, keep in mind, he's the fucking beacon. He's the call to action for yeah. he's the inciting incident. And I feel like he had less to do than in the first. film. Right. He's literally <laughs> just good. there for <laughs> the movie. Good. He's in the background. Well, he leaves at the end because again, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a perfect example. Okay. He's a guy who got stuck here in the middle of the film. He realized like, Oh, well, like I could have gone, but I stayed. I never, never had the audacity to leave. Never had the, the bravery to leave at the end of the movie. He leaves. Okay. Technically, if you need to check off the boxes, did this movie do this, this, and this with each character? Yeah, it did, but it was never rooted in character and it was never rooted in actual fear. 
mm-hmm. was always rooted on the fact that like a screenwriting book says you got to do this at this point. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, look again, is it the worst thing I've ever seen? Of course not. Like it's fine. Like the 60, whatever percent that it has, like fine. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. Uh, but it's, it, it's something where you're like, ah, you see all the opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. that you could have made this. Yeah. And I'm not, and the reason I'm not mad at it is like, this is like an adaptation of an unwieldy, um, unconscionable work of oh, and fiction. Coke, Coke inspired. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like if Andy wanted to be real, he had to get like I, the mindset I get a contact tie just reading that book. Um, uh, well, so we, before we do that quickly, I mean, Stephen King had a cameo in here. And can I just say very quickly, like of all Stephen King cameos, cause he is a notoriously terrible actor. Uh, kind of awesome. I actually yeah. really liked him. And I like the idea that he's taking stabs at himself because clearly bill is a surrogate for king like yeah, in a way Stephen like, king can't help himself but have I, a writer character has there ever been a good uh has there ever been a good ending to a Stephen king book i'm asking legit bro because like i'm thinking like uh, uh all right girl who loved tom gordon was pretty fucking solid i was about to say that was like my go-to in a weird way which is no, like a minor work from him it's great um, yeah yeah, because like in The Shining, like when falls ends apart. Up, yeah, Wendy <laughs> ends up with Dick Halloran for some reason in some like summer resort, like right. weird ending. Um, fuck, all of them I are weird. Know. All of all of them, all of them are fucking weird. And I, I've told you, I've never like I've never loved a writer so much for the three fourths of his stories than Steve. Yeah. <laughs> like there are some people who like I like Faulkner is a good example of like I don't love everything Faulkner writes, but, but when you get to that end, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Back. Oh fuck, man. Yeah, like where it all like comes together. The linchpin where at the, is the like final page. Stephen King, it's like all these threads are dangling and you're like, how's he gonna tie them together? And he just doesn't. Uh, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, like threads like, un- like under shit. the dome, you're like, what what's it gonna be? What's happening? It's like, well, you, oh, it's like an aliens. alien playing with <laughs> toys well again again well that's a perfect example right of like who stephen king as a person under the dome i remember reading that book and being like oh shit the first like five chapters are pretty cool barney's fucking burying a body in the beginning you're like what's the fuck's going on and then at the end you could just tell he's like i don't fucking aliens i guess (laughs) like and i feel like that has to happen to him all the time he's just like i promised a book by november i guess we're just gonna make this aliens (laughs) like which is a go-to that's what that's how dreamcatcher ends that's how fucking uh isn't how insomnia ends i don't know it's whatever it's like insomnia is weird as fuck it's an old man protagonist that sees like balloon souls tied to people and like i don't even want to get into it uh (laughs) stephen king's done a lot of drugs it is a prime example uh can't recommend the book doubly cannot recommend part two watch part one and just stop there that's my recommendation yeah i feel i feel like legit it's like Never, never come back unless you have something to add, right? Like, and that's like true for most sequels. It's like, because we talk about structure, we talk about hero's journeys and hero's journeys are, are most of the time, well, all the time, if they're well done, they're constructed and they're contained within that first film, right? I think, I think like Batman, the Nolan trilogy is a really good example of this. Batman begins, you start in a place you go through some shit, you, you hit a low point, you come back and you are changed. That's yeah. great. But when you have the sequel, what you have now done is you made that first hero's journey you've Mm -hmm. made that the first leg of a larger hero's journey you know what i'm saying and so it's just like never go back unless you're going to add and change things need to always be in conflict things need to change every like 25 percent of a script basically and so by doing a chapter two 
without adding anything to that without changing go on the same journey yeah it's it's, sort of like the hangover and the hangover part two (laughs) if in the hangover part two they got a different set of actors that had less chemistry right 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 no, I get it. it would be like if they did stand by me like a sequel to stand by me but it's all the same people but yeah. just older and shittier actors and which by the way quick, oh, quick they stand found by another me. body <laughs> like uh, do you want to go it. see this body <laughs> uh, well it's funny as you know at the end of stand by me he's writing a book which by the way weird connection dreyfus at the end of stand by me is like i never had friends like i had when i was 12 years old uh, by the way a beautiful you, you just what? reminded me of the end of this movie well, where they the end do of this a movie breakfast club is well, dude. Thing. The end of this movie is legitimately in the same office as Stand by Me. I found out like oh, at the end it? of Stand by Me, where it cuts to Dreyfus as an old man writing that book. They cut to fucking homie, right? They cut to McAvoy, McAvoy. Yeah. yeah, and he's in the same office writing another book, and it is really shitty and real trash, man. Like. I don't fucking know what's going on, dude. It's like, how do you take all the goodwill of that first film and just be like, ah, fuck it. (laughs) I I just want to talk about one more thing that I think encapsulates what's wrong with this movie because it almost did something right. And I was like, so happy. I was like, it's finally turning it around. So in the first movie, there's uh, this like 15 minute stretch where they're in this literal haunted house. It's like where Pennywise lives kind of. Um, And it's like really (laughs) great. All the kids get like separated and it turns into like this, funhouse amusement park ride of horror where like they're all like just like uh, experiencing all this crazy shit and pennywise unfurls himself from like a refrigerator and like this really wonderful like effect shot that i'm not exactly sure how they did um and then in this one they kind of have a repeat of that scene and there's a part where bill Hader and uh what's his face uh eddie yeah isn't it eddie they come upon uh, they come upon these three doors and one's like not scary at all scary very scary he's fucking with us man he's fucking with us he's fucking with us and it's actually a funny scene so they open up the very scary door and it's a pomeranian just sitting there and i was like okay they're gonna do this thing where they're like okay i'm not fucking with that and close the door and that would be perfect but they keep the door open they're like oh good boy and then it turns into another cgi monster and i was just like fuck you fucked your own joke like literally not like any amount of subtlety they could have had yeah they just have to like fuck it so that that's my review. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, look, it's it's watch it or don't. It's fine. Like, I really feel like Andy Machete was just contractually obligated to do another one. Yeah, so he was like, all right, I'll do it. You know, really but going through the old motion. He's doing Flash next, and I'm like, look, because he's not going to write Flash. Like, uh, maybe maybe they'll maybe it'll be good. Maybe I wouldn't bet on it based on this movie. But, you know, hey, man, you got to have hope. (laughs) Otherwise, Pennywise wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the real lesson here. This is just Um, a test of our hope. Well, if you had to put a number on it and be, and and come on, like, uh, let's be fair to this. All right. Because we can't just be ourselves who are snobbish assholes. All right. I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, Mass public. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. Because I have some breaking entertainment news that needs to be addressed right now. Paramount is remaking Face Off. (laughs) <laughs> oh man what a gift what a gift so we're you know, reviewing that shit when i gotta tell up. you dude i'm a depressive clinically and uh, i always get scared and i'm like am i gonna kill myself now i know for a fact i ain't dying until that paramount fucking remakes that face off i can't wait what a wonderful gift to the world yeah I'm very excited y'all um, all right well get, but, get, but no to to put a number on this uh 
quote unquote film. No, I'm sorry. It's a come film. on, guy. It's a film. It, it was it showed in theaters. It has a runtime over 60 minutes. It's a film. Warner Brothers did it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, I would give it a four out of ten. Four out of ten. I'm I'm a little bit more generous. I give it a six out of ten, but that's only because I like Danny Machete. Like I think he did some interesting things. I think structurally it's a mess. I think tonally it's a mess. I think there's literally one character who has any kind of discernible actual character arc. It's not great, uh, but you know, I, you know, Lost in the Sauce is another really yeah. good performance from Bill Skarsgård. I think Skarsgård well, did really well. And so, so some something to think about though is like during that two hour and forty minute runtime or whatever. Like, what percentage of that runtime was actually good? Oh, probably like 20 minutes. <laughs> probably. Okay. It's probably and, 20 and really good minutes. Six out of 10? Yeah, I'm going to give it a six out of 10 because it's like, uh, you know, like especially it starts to fall apart the more they do it. But in the first hour or so, right, when they are doing the past being haunted by the future shit, it's like fine. It's like fine. It's not as good as fucking sharp objects to bring it up for the fifth time, but it's fine. And I sort of understand like what they're going for. The problem is this, that I, I gave a lot of that first half of that film, a lot of goodwill expecting them to nail character bits at the end. That never happened. And I think right. that's the problem with me. It's like, well, I enjoyed the ride. Like I enjoyed the ride. I did. Like I got mad that it was return of the King levels of like, what the fuck, man? Like mm. after they kill Pennywise, there's another 20 minutes, of this fucking movie. And I'm just like, right. what? How? So the, the way they kill Pennywise, it looks real goofy. <laughs> and I don't know if I loved it or hated it. Oh man. There's, there's more than one way to make someone feel small. <laughs> you're small. You're a clown. You're nobody. It's like you're bullying him. Yeah. They just heckle him. They literally well. heckle him to death. And this also guy, like Pennywise cannot handle a YouTube uh, comment section to save his life, man. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like circling the fucking drain here, but like <laughs> just the fact that there are no discernible rules to this universe like it sets up that oh if you're not afraid of pennywise he can't hurt you but he can because he like bites children before they're afraid of him right, right. Yeah. or like they've he fucking stabs richie with like a uh or not richie uh fucking eddie, eddie. yeah he stabs uh, eddie with like a weird spider leg right. thing um it's weird, right? Am well, I, anything I was one? weird the whole time anyway if you think about it just because like they uh that pharmacy scene they then do a flashback to mm-hmm. young Richie or young Eddie. Young, young Eddie, yeah. With his mom strapped up to a bed in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> like something that did not happen. I need to be very clear about that. Not in the book. Not, not like, I don't understand. Like, see, that's where it got creepy to me because there was the idea of like people were discovering past traumas that they had. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but that never fucking happened and at then all. He, like leaves his mom to die. Leaves his mom something. to die, and then the pharmacies close down. Like there was just a lot of like that doesn't like. Look, I'm. We talk about time travel movies. They don't make sense. Make sense within your own universe. That didn't make sense within its own fucking weird clown haunting universe, and it annoyed the shit out of me. All yeah. to say, you got me. It's like a five out of ten, man. I don't know what to tell you. It ain't. It ain't. It ain't that good. But we got Flash, bro. That's all we can hope for. So. Uh, any a very long-winded way to kind of shit on a film. I mean, is there, is there any final well, words I mean, you want to get Yeah, th- this review has been um, slightly more structured than the film that we're talking about. <laughs> and much like the film we're talking about, after the end of the review, we've gone on for another 20 minutes. So <laughs> all that said, I give it a 4 out of 10. Go see it if you want to. I don't give a shit. Uh, movies and shit. Thank you. 